0: We have placed a new card, it's called a communication card, and it's two-sided there. Now, I want to talk about it just for a moment, and so if you don't mind, reach down and grab one. And if you don't mind when you're done, if you don't use it, neatly put it back. Uh, someone took the time to carefully place those there. And uh, we are, I'm, I'm excited about this. Somebody, when I first got here, said, Pastor, we need a complaint box. And I said, we'll put a complaint box in, but it's going to have a... The bottom's going to be missing, there's going to be a trash can right below it, amen? <laughs> um, uh, in a sense, this is your avenue to communicate with me and and uh, the other uh, pastors of the church if you have uh, a need or request, and so let's just go over this really quick. Um, I'm on the side that says, I'd enjoy getting to know some of the people of this congregation. Uh, you, maybe you're wanting to know how you can get in touch or get to know someone. Uh, your age, you don't really know where to begin. Check that off, put your name on the back and drop it in the plate, and we'll help you. If you don't put your name, we can't help you, okay? So you've got to put your information on there. I'd like to know uh, how to become a member of this church. Some of you here have been coming a long time and you've not yet joined. So if you check that, uh, we'll line up uh, a time where we can sit down and talk to you about that. I'd appreciate talking to a pastor when con- uh, to the pastor uh, when convenient for both of us. I'm a member and I'm interested in serving in one of the ministries of the church. Again, any of these you check, someone's going to reach out to you and talk to you about that. I would like the pastor to preach a sermon on fill-in-the-blank. Now, this one and the next one, I can't guarantee you anything. Okay, The next one, I'd like my favorite uh, hymn sung by the congregation, It Is Number. I can see some jokester picking a hymnal nobody knows and writing that on there and dropping it in the plate uh two things to keep in mind if you don't put your name on here and you fill out that it's 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 not going to be considered so you got to add your name and it's got to be your name all right don't put some weird name uh, some sermon title or hymn number and then like put Alicia Simpson on it okay if she didn't do it right uh, put, you got to put your information ooh, there it goes you got to put your information uh but uh, but we will consider that uh, that information will be kept in mind, and if you put down a hymnal number, and it's a song the congregation knows, we will work to get that uh, in there. I'd like the pastor to know that such-and-such such is sick either at home or at such-and-such such hospital. I'd like to know how to be part of a Bible group study on Sunday morning. So please use that and fill that out. On the back side, uh, you can submit prayer requests, pray for, and there's a, uh, the name of the person that needs prayer as well as, uh, the various types of needs, a room for you to write in what the other would be, and then uh, some comments, and if you want to add it to the weekly Wednesday prayer bulletin, you can click check there. Also, if we uh, don't have your most current information, please fill this out and, and give it to an usher, drop it in the offering plate. For instance, you might get married, or you may change your phone number, or you might move, and uh, we need to keep our records updated at the church. Um, you may change email addresses, whatever it would be, fill that out, drop that in the offering plate, and or give it to an usher, uh, and we can uh, make sure those changes are made. So those will be in the pew in the weeks to follow uh, for the long term, and so please take advantage of those and uh, use those. One other quick announcement. Uh, you can turn to Luke 8 while I'm making this announcement. Um, one other quick announcement here uh, is that uh, we have our Let's Get Acquainted Luncheon coming up you say, well, what is that? If you are relatively new to the church, you have been visiting over the last six months or so, or you have joined the church in the last six months or so, or you just aren't really that well connected into the church, maybe you've been visiting sporadically for more than six months but haven't really yet connected into our church, we have a lunch that takes place once every three months after our Sunday morning service upstairs in our fellowship hall. And all it is, is it's a meet and greet. All the pastors and their families are there. And we get to meet you and you get to meet us and figure out who's married to who and uh, whose children belong to who and, and that sort of thing. And uh, so if you can, uh, make plans to come to that. That is on January 20th. That is next Sunday following the morning service. So keep uh, keep an eye on that and I plan on being here for that. All right, Luke 8, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read from verse 4 down through verse number 15. We're going to read every other verse together. We'll do a responsive reading of the passage. I'll begin reading in verse 4, and we'll read all of the even-numbered verses, and then we will read the odd-numbered verses together, all the way down through verse number 15. Quite a bit of reading this morning, uh, but a, a very important reading. So follow along. And be involved. I'll begin in verse 4. The Bible says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. And other fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit in hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root "...which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they had heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, And bring forth fruit with patience. The title of the message this morning and the title of the series uh, within the Rooted in Christ series, the title of the series is Preparing the Soil. The title of the sermon this morning is The Path Soil. The Path Soil. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask this morning that you give us clarity of mind and understanding of your scriptures. Lord, we ask for anyone here today who has not yet put their full faith and trust in Christ for salvation, that today would be the day they do that. Lord, that we would not um, have anyone come and leave without knowing their salvation is secure. Lord, the truth is we can't produce fruit for you until we become uh, part of your family. We become connected into you. So, Lord, um, as we look at this uh, parable Over the next several weeks, may it begin to help us see where the soil of our heart isn't quite right. And help us to get that adjusted. We'll focus in today, Lord, on those who have not even yet received the word into their heart or been saved. And so, Lord, I pray somebody today, their fallow ground would be broken up. Their heart would become tender and tilled so that the seeds of the gospel can go down in and they'd be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Hey, let me just say, before I get into the message, thank you for coming to church. I don't ever want to take for granted that you're here. And I'm thankful that I have somebody to preach to, and we're thankful that uh, we can gather together as a church body. And you say, well, no one notices when I'm not here. And I want to tell you that that's probably not true. Uh, as a pastor, I have learned to look in the auditorium and not only see who is here, but see who isn't here. And I may not send you a note every week to, to uh, recognize you not being here, but I do notice. And when you do come, especially if you're sporadic, it means the world to me. Hey, listen, it's the second Sunday of the year. Why don't you make a commitment to come to church every week that you can? in 2019 clear the sunday schedule and be here some of you have small children and you have them involved in sports leagues hey white oak baptist church has a baseball league and a soccer league put your children in those that way it doesn't conflict with church and come to church and boy just get involved in 2019 thank you for being here today and i hope that uh, you'll make this a habit week in and week out for those of you that have not yet done that now over the next several weeks Uh, We may slip a different sermon in here and there, but over the next several weeks, we're going to take time to really, really dive dive in and understand this passage in Luke 8 in depth. Now, let me just make this introductory thought. You cannot build entire Bible doctrines off of parables that Jesus gave, uh, off of every parable that Jesus gave, however... However, when Jesus gives a parable and then takes the time to explain the doctrine of the parable, you can hang your hat. You can build a foundation of doctrine off of the explanation along with the parable. And we find in Luke 8, Jesus gives us a parable and then he turns around and he teaches his disciples what this parable means and we can dig, we can pull from this deep Doctrinal understanding that will better us and help us uh, be better Christians. First, let's examine the seed in this parable. Okay, Verse 11, look down at verse 11 of our passage. Verse 11 says this, it says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Uh, uh, How many of you this morning are holding a copy of the word of God in your lap or hands? Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your Bible if you have it there. Hold it up. Let me see that what is the seed? It's what's in your lap. It is the word of God. Now, so uh, in this parable, what is the seed? It is one more time. What is the seed? It is The Word of God. So, a parable goes out to sow the seed or to sow out or throw out the Word of God. And secondly, let's examine the sower. So, we're going to understand the elements here. And after we understand the elements, we'll really be able to preach and understand uh, what uh, God is trying to get at here with this. The sower. Now, logic dictates... That if the seed in the satchel is the word of God, then the person throwing out the word is either the preacher... Or uh, someone who is distributing the Bible in some way. All right, picture this with me, if you will. A farmer wakes up in the morning. He goes out. Sun's just coming up. He takes his satchel. He puts it on his his uh, his uh, waist there, like a belt. And in that satchel, he's got a pocket full of seeds. And out in front of him, he's got a field. Some of that field has been tilled and prepared and is good ground and is ready. And then you have other ground there that uh, has definitely of earth but yet there's thorns and thistles and then next to that you have uh, maybe an area that has rocks just below the surface and just a little bit of soil and then over here you've got the road that the farmer's truck drives up and down or in the bible times a road that people would have walked up and down and that sower walks up and he reaches down into that satchel and he gets a handful of seed and he just slings it out like that and that soil that seed lands on all four types of soil now Uh, The man who's the farmer, the man who's throwing out the seed, he is... The man who is delivering, or the person rather, who is delivering the Word of God. Uh, not necessarily a man, that can be a man or a woman, we'll look at that in just a moment, but he reaches in or she reaches in and slings out, the farmer reaches in and slings out the seed of the Word of God. That is the pastor of a church, that is an evangelist who comes in and fills a pulpit. That is someone who stands on a street corner and holds up the Bible and says, Thus saith the Lord. That is the person who takes the gospel tract and hands. Hands it to someone and says, read these verses on the back. It will tell you how to get to heaven. That is a sower who knocks on someone's door and says, let me tell you the most wonderful story about how Jesus can save your soul. Who is the sower? It's anybody who takes the Bible and gives it out uh, to others around them. Now, the Bible commands each and every one of us to sling out the seed Of the Word of God. Uh, Hold your place in Luke 8. Turn over to Romans chapter 10. That should be, let's see, John, Acts, Romans. Three books to the right. Three books to the right there of where you are in Luke. Uh, Romans chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 10. And look with me at verse number 13. Verse 13 is used a lot. But verses 14 and 15 aren't always read uh, along with those and i think that they're very 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 important. Luke uh Romans 10 beginning in verse 13 it says for whosoever that's anybody shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved. How does a person get saved? They got to call on the name of the lord they got to see their need of a sinner. They've got to know that the Savior died for them. They've got to turn away from their unbelief or their own weight on their own fallacies. And they've got to put their faith and trust simply in Jesus to save them. That's how a person gets saved. Anybody can do it, the Bible tells us, and it is a guaranteed thing. Shall be saved. Now look at verse 14. How then shall they, this is the population at large, call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And, and, and you see the thought progressing here. And how uh, shall they hear without a preacher? Who is the preacher in Romans ten fourteen? It is the sower in Luke eight. This is the same person. In Luke 8, we find the sower reaching into his satchel, getting a handful of seed, and slinging it. In Romans 10, uh, verse 14, we find the preacher who is taking the seed of the Word of God and delivering it out for everybody to hear. Look at verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Now, the root word for preach... Here in Romans ten fourteen, uh means this. It means to proclaim, to tell, to announce. I'm to say that again, to proclaim, to tell, to announce. You say, Well, Pastor, I read in First Corinthians that women can't be pastors. And I would say that, yes, that is in First Corinthians, that women are not to be the pastor of a church. That's not my rule, so don't put your labels on me. That's God's rule, okay? And he has his reasons for it, and they're explained there in that passage. However, women can be preachers. They can be preachers. You say, women can stand up and preach? Women can stand up and they can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others can be saved. I am thankful that I have grown up around a grandmother and a mother who went out every week of their lives that they could and they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am thankful to be married to a lady who goes out every week and shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what my grandmother and my mother and my wife are? They are Romans 10, 14 Preachers, they're they're the farmers that reach down in their satchel and throw those out. I'm coming out of the grocery store. My mom did this too, but I'm coming out of the grocery store or Walmart or the mall with my wife, and I'm uh, ready to leave. And I see my wife and, and watch my mom do it too, distributing gospel tracts and saying, "Here, why don't you visit our church? On the back of there are some verses that'll tell you how you can go to heaven." You know what they're doing? They're reaching down in that satchel and they're slinging out the gospel, and they're slinging it out, and they don't know what type of soil of heart that person has, but they're slinging it out there and hoping for the best. You know what Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and 20 tells us? It tells each of us, man and women alike, to go and tell. One of the things that makes my heart smile as a pastor is when I walk out into that lobby on Sunday evening and I see that that track rack, that brochure rack in the back is emptied out we really close to being emptied out. That means that you all went over there and you picked them up and you walked out the door and you shoved them in your purse or your pocket and you're planning on being the sower, being the preacher that's distributing out the seed all week long. You say, Pastor, I've passed out thousands of gospel tracts or invitations and nobody's ever come to church. And I'd say, well, you maybe haven't ever seen anybody come to church, but heaven will show you. Which of those people read that and that led to them getting saved? Keep on keeping on. So, the the seed is the word of God. What is the seed? The sower is the preacher. Who is the sower? Very good. The seed is... Let me hear you now. The seed is... The sower is... Very good. And third, by way of introduction, let's take a look at the soil that is receiving the seed. Now, what is the soil in Luke 8? The soil is this. It is the condition of the heart of mankind. When the seed is tossed out into the soil, how well does the soil handle what it has been given? The soil of Luke 8 is used to compare the condition of a person's heart. The soil in Luke 8 is used to compare the condition of someone's heart. Now, uh, over the throughout this series of sermons, preparing the soil, this is just the first installment in our Rooted in Christ series. We're going to look at Luke 8 and we're going to examine the four types of heart. I'll just make this statement here now. Everybody in this room here today, you are somewhere on uh, that chart of the four types of soil. Either you are the path soil that we'll look at today, or you are the petrified soil, the rocky soil. we'll look at in the coming weeks or you are the prickly soil, the thorns that grow up and choke out, or you are the productive soil. And you are producing for the Lord both the fruits of the Spirit and the fruit of Christian. And you're one of those four. And I stand up every week and I take my hand and I put it in the satchel and I sling the Bible out into the into the field uh, in front of me here and the seed I'm throwing out is going to land on all four types of soil today. Today we're going to focus in on the path. Soil or that of the wayside, that dirt road where those seeds landed as the man slung, the farmer slung. Those seeds out So let's observe three facts this morning about the wayside soil, and then apply them to our daily living. Now you might be thinking this morning, I'm not the wayside soil, so I'm checking out. Listen, I'm going to talk to the lost today, but I'm going to make a lot of applications to the saved today. So make sure that you listen intently. Uh, number one, the outlines on the back of your bulletin, I encourage you to fill it in as you go here. Number one, notice the compacted soil. The compacted soil. Look at me at Luke chapter 8 and verse number 5. It says there a sower went out to sow a seed. And as he sowed, look at that next phrase, some fell by the wayside. And it was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some fell by the wayside. The first soil that Jesus describes in this parable uh, is the wayside soil. Now the root word for wayside also means a road. A road, okay? The same word translated wayside here in other places in the Bible is translated as a road or a path of travel. Now, all of us have seen and ridden on dirt roads. I'm curious how many of you here remember the days back before the PC police outlawed it where you could ride, uh, the safety police more like it, you could ride in the back of a pickup truck. How many of you ever ridden in the back of a pickup truck? Man, that is exhilarating. I worked on a farm as a teenager, and I'll reference that throughout the year, but I worked on a farm as a teenager, and uh, this wasn't uh, ideal, but we would have a 16-year-old boy drive the pickup truck through the fields, and I would stand in the back of the pickup truck and reach over and hold on to where the the windshield met the top of the cab and go over the bumps of the dirt road and feel the wind hit me in my face 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, and I'm just lucky to still be alive. But uh, uh, riding in the back of a pickup truck... I can remember even riding down the highway in the back of a pickup truck, and you can't do that anymore, I don't believe. But those were the days, and riding in the back of a pickup truck, going down a dirt road, that cloud of dirt comes up, and you can see that there in the background, and uh, going down a dirt road. All of us have ridden on dirt roads. Some of us have walked down dirt roads, but if there's one thing that is certain about a dirt road, you're going to have a very hard time trying to run a shovel down into a dirt road. Anybody here ever tried that? You take a shovel and you put that there on a dirt road and you put your foot on there and you try to mash down? Good luck, right? That has been pressed down. That has been compacted. That has been hardened. Hardened. Now, God has a lot to talk about with hardness. Hardness of heart in His Word. Listen closely to Acts 7, 51. The context here is that Philip is preaching to the hard-hearted religious scribes and Pharisees. And boy, he is preaching a blistering sermon about their hard hearts. And he says this in Acts 7.51. He says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so did ye. Here Stephen is addressing this council that would stone him. And kill him. And what he is saying here is that their hearts were not, or that their hearts were uncircumcised. Now, this is a, an odd topic, right? Following circumcision in the middle of a sermon, right? Um, let's talk about this just for a moment in a spiritual context. I'll just say this real quick. Um, I was in a Q and A one time, and this little seven-year-old girl raised her hand. It was like a before p.m. church. She raised her hand and said, Pastor, what does it mean to be uncircumcised? And the pastor turned red in the face and he looked at the little girl and he said, just ask your mommy when you get home. (laughs) Good answer. Um, But uh, let's talk about this from a spiritual standpoint just for a moment. When God chose Abraham to be the father of the nations, he had Abraham circumcised himself and circumcised his children and told them, I want there to be a physical marking of the males in the most private of areas that shows that you are separated to me. And that was to be symbolic of people chosen by God and for God. And what the uh, Israelites, the children of Abraham, the Israelites, Ended up doing with this is what they did with all of their things. They began to worship the custom more than the God of the custom. They began to make a bigger deal out of circumcision of flesh than what God was really after. And that was the separation or the cutting away of the sin from the heart. That's what that was to represent. And so their hearts grew cold and hard toward God. And they began to worship the rigidness of following the tradition of, of, of physical circumcision. And here Philip is saying, yeah, listen, you might be circumcised in the flesh, but your hearts are not spiritually circumcised. You need to cut away that sin from your heart. You need to cut that away because your heart has become hardened from your sin. I remember being a little boy. Uh, probably 9, 10, 11 years old. After a little older than that, I, I learned better than to do this anymore. Because my dad was uh, physically uh, superior to me. But my dad would call me in, and he'd be getting on me, he'd be lecturing me, and that lecture would start to run a little long in my own mind, and my flesh would begin to, to harden up against what he was saying, and I would look away from him. And he'd say, Boy, look at me when I'm talking to you. And I would just put my head down, and I'd stiffen that neck. And I could feel his strong fingers around my uh, chin there. And he would straighten my head out. And I'd keep my eyes down. He'd say, you're going to look at me right now. I'm going to wear you out. And I would look at him on the outside, but my heart was not looking at him on the inside. I was stiff-necked. I was hard-hearted. Now remember, the direct interpretation of this verse is given by Jesus himself in verse 12. Look down there. Back in Luke 8. Look, look with me at Luke 8, 12. It reads this. Those by the wayside are those that they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts. Why? Lest they should believe and be saved. What happens when that farmer throws that seed out? Well, it lands on the four different types of soils. The other three... That seed goes down into the soil of the heart, representing salvation. But to this one, the seed lands on top of the soil, and the soil does not receive the seed. They do not believe. They do not trust Christ. Can't tell you how many times I have gone out and shared the gospel with somebody. They listen intently. They hear the whole thing. And they refuse to accept You know why? Because their heart is like that path soil. It's hard. It's been hardened by sin. By skepticism. By some circumstance. And they're completely closed off. To receiving the word of God. For some of them, it's because they don't believe that the seed of God's word is true. And they reject it outright. For others, they just want to live in sin. And they don't want to accept at that time. Now, I believe, for those of you here today that are saved, there is another application that can be made. And here it is. No matter whether you're saved or lost, you know what sin does? It hardens our hearts. It hardens our hearts. And even those of you here that are saved, if you're not careful, the sermon uh, uh, that used to convict you uh, will turn around and you'll listen to it and it won't convict you anymore. I heard an old preacher say one time, he said there are two reasons why you ought to come down to the altar during the invitation and pray. He said the first reason is because God has moved and stirred in your spirit and has caused you to want to come down and get that thing right that He's working with you on. He said the second is because God hasn't moved in your heart for a while. Some of you here, you come and hear the preaching of God's Word, and just to be flat out honest, you're here because you know you're supposed to be, but you really don't care. You really don't care. You know what? You ought to care that you quit caring. It ought to bother you that preaching no longer bothers you. It ought to get to you and say, you know what? I'm aloof and I'm cold and I'm pompous and pious, but bless God, I want to get my heart back to a place where the preaching of God's Word, it stirs me from within. It moves me from within. And probably the cause of that is sin has so hard in your heart that the pastor stands up and preaches or you get up and you read your Bible on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning and you close it and you're no different when you uh, get done than when you started because you have allowed sin to put that callus on your heart, to harden your heart. And my friend, if you're here today and you are saved, but God's word's not really making any difference in your life and you're not really growing in the Lord, it's time to reevaluate where you are with that and begin to make some changes to soften the soil of your heart. There are others of you here today, I believe there will be people who God takes at the end of time and He throws over the edge of eternity into hell. And these are people that sat in a Bible-preaching, gospel-preaching church for year after year after year. I guarantee you there is somebody in this room today, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you're sitting, but there is somebody under the sound of my voice this morning, you have been coming to this church for years, you know you're not saved, you know you've not put your faith in Jesus, and you are scared to death to make that decision because of what everybody else is going to think. And I'm here to tell you right now, don't you let anybody's opinion of you allow you to burn in hell one day you've heard sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon you've heard me preach you heard pastor peslike preach some of you maybe have even been around long enough to remember when pastor brown pastored this church and you've heard the preaching of the gospel and you've heard it over and over and over again and the truth is you'll go straight to hell from a pew at white oak baptist church don't you let that happen to you don't you get so used to hearing the gospel that your heart grows cold and you go, yeah, well, I've heard it enough times, I just can't get saved, I just won't get saved. My friend, if you have a hard heart, it's time for you to break up that compacted soil, to break up that path soil and say, not my heart anymore, I'm going to receive the seed into my heart. You say, Pastor, is that really true that people can go to church for years and get saved? Oh, listen, I've heard of missionaries getting saved. I've heard of pastors getting saved. I've heard of pastors' wives getting saved. I was in a church service once where a lady came running down the aisle and and her and her husband were there for a conference. And uh, she came running down the aisle. And her husband was one of the altar workers. And she pushed her husband out of the way. And she said to him, we found out later, she said to him, Don't you get between me and getting saved. She was a pastor's wife. You think of a pastor's wife in a church can be lost, you think that that can't happen to one of us? Now, I'm not here today to scare anybody out of their salvation. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it's a sealed deal. But some of you here today, you did lip service to a prayer a long time ago to make somebody happy. And you showed up to church and you learned how to dress and talk and act and walk the walk and talk the talk. And deep down inside your heart, you know that you've never gotten that thing settled with God. There's others of you here today, it might be your first time in church. and, And all of this is new to you. And you say, Pastor Desjern, I don't know what to do. Let me encourage you, if you're hearing the gospel for the first time this morning, that Jesus loves you, He died on the cross for you, and that He wants to take your sins away and give you the gift of eternal life, don't be this type of soil. Don't let that seed land on top of your heart and not sink down in. Trust Christ. The compacted soil, I hasten, number two, a crushed Seed They crushed seed. Look back with me at Luke chapter 8 and verse number 5. Again, the Bible says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down. It was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Let me first say that the sin that compacts the soil also comes back along and crushes the seed, that same sin that stomped down the soil of your heart and made it cold and skeptical and hard, where the Bible won't uh, penetrate your heart and you won't receive the Word of God, that is the same sin that comes back along after the seed's been tossed out and crushes up that seed and makes it useless. Many, many times I have witnessed to lost people who, for one reason or another, they weren't—they just weren't going to accept Christ. Their heart was this first type of soil. And what I have found is that as they continue to live their life in the same sin that caused that soil to harden, that same sin came back along after I gave the gospel and mashed that seed up to where it no longer worked. Brother Verone, when he preached his last sermon here, I believe it was then he referenced a lady that he had witnessed to for a long time that he worked with. And he said you could see the conviction of God setting in on her face and she really wanted to do it, but just would not pull the trigger and trust Christ as her Savior. Years later, he saw her at a funeral, Funeral, and when he approached her with the gospel, her whole visage, her whole countenance, her whole attitude toward trusting Christ had changed. She no longer had any desire to do it, and she completely closed off her heart to that idea. Why? Because Satan and his sin had come along and crushed That seed to pieces, and it was no longer wanted. It is pride that crushes down that soil, compacts that soil, and it is pride that comes back along and crushes the seeds of the gospel as they're given out. Yesterday, I gave a gospel tract to a man, and he took it and he folded it in half, and he stuck it in his pocket. When he... Fold it now. I thought of the sermon today. I thought just as that track's getting crushed with Bible verses on the back, so many people do that. And fortunately, his name was Johnny. Brother Ben and I went out together. I got him to pull that back out of his pocket, and I walked him down how to be saved. And and just a few minutes later, he bowed his head and put his faith and trust in Jesus to save him. Amen? He had an open heart. But I can't tell you how many times I've given someone a track, and they wadded it up and just thrown it on the ground. You know what they're doing? They're crushing the seed. They don't want it. They don't want it. Other people hear the gospel. They don't want it. You know what causes them to do that? Pride. Let me just read for you here Matthew five three. The Bible says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who gets into heaven? Those who humble their heart to receive Jesus. If you're going to allow pride to make you think somehow you can earn your way to heaven... My friend, you're going to have that, that foot trod down the seed of the gospel of Jesus and keep you from getting there. Turn over to Matthew 19 with me, if you will. I hasten Matthew 19 and verse number 23. We'll come back to Luke 8 in just a moment. Don't lose your place there. Matthew 19 and verse number 23. We find Jesus here, here using a little bit of, uh, hyperbole or hyperbole and, uh, making a strong point. Uh, the Bible says in verse 23, then said Jesus unto his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now let me explain this really quick here. That word rich does not necessarily mean financial riches. This is speaking of rich in pride. Um, Do you know that people get saved in America all the time? And if you live in America and you have a bank account with any money in it whatsoever, you fall like the top certain percentage of rich people in the world. I mean, you are wealthy if you even live here. You may be poor compared to everybody else, but if you have heat and, and refrigerator and microwave and air conditioning and you got a car to get you around, you're rich. Okay, And you got saved. Right, and I haven't. See, I didn't see you shove a camel through the eye of a needle. Right, so uh, what's this talking about? If you have pride in your heart, you can't get saved. You have the same odds of getting saved as running a, a, a camel through the eye of a needle. Rich in pride, poor in spirit and uh listen if you have this false sense of i somehow can make it on this side of eternity on my own then i can uh, th- then that means that i'll make it on the other side of eternity on my own my friend you will fail miserably once you die i go um, uh, i go out uh, weekly and knock on doors uh, in neighborhoods and, and invite people to our church and uh, to, so that they are introduced to our church. And I also see if I can't work in the gospel. Here's what I find. The richer the neighborhood, the more I'm rejected. You know why? And I go there anyway, knowing I'm probably going to get rejected. You know why? Because they're successful in their own eyes. They drive a nice car. They live in a big house. They wear expensive clothes. They got an expensive watch. I mean, goodnight, their pen probably costs more, more, more than some of our cars, right? And they, they, they just, they've done well. And it isn't their financial wealth that keeps them from being saved. It's their personal pride. You know what's got to happen for that soil of their heart to open up and that seed to fall in? They've got to have some sort of earthquake. There's got to be some sort of problem that breaks that up. I can think of many, many times where I've gone to one door after the next in an expensive neighborhood. And one of those neighborhoods where when you knock on the doors, your knuckles hurt because the, the door is just so solid. Okay? And uh, you're, you're knocking on the door, and you know, it's 10 degrees outside, 20 degrees outside, and, and your, your knuckles are maybe even starting to chafe and bleed a little bit. And, and, and most people are rejecting you, but then that one door opening, and the person on the other side just had a, a tragedy happen. Maybe they're having a hard time uh, uh, getting pregnant or they had a loved one close to them die or they just experienced being fired or they're having some sort of health difficulty or financial difficulty and and, and you see as, as you begin to talk to them a tear well up in their eye and they open up and listen to what you have to say about the gospel. Do you know why God has sent an earthquake into their life to open them up? And those seeds are ready to be entered into the soil. Hosea 10.12 says this, Sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time... Now, the application here for the Christian is that some of you have allowed your heart, you're saved, but you've allowed your heart to grow hard toward preaching, hard toward Scripture, hard toward the Word of God, the seed of God's Word. And it's time, Christian, to break up that fallow ground. And uh, uh, sometimes God sends problems into our life to get our attention, to shoo us back to church. How many of you here were attending White Oak Baptist Church when the attacks happened uh, in 2001, September 11th? How many of you were attending church here? Uh, did this church see a bump in attendance shortly after that happened? Brother Owens, you say it, it happened. Uh, Brian, you remember that? Um, I was attending church in Baltimore. and We were probably running seven or 800 in church. And we we shot up to like 1,100. You know why? That fallow ground was being broken up. People were saying, we need to get back to God. God's punishing this country. Now, was September 11th God's hand of punishment? I'm not going to answer that question because I'm not God. But I can tell you people felt that way. They ran back to the Lord. I told God this a long time ago. Some of you, this may be the only thing you need to get out of the sermon this morning. So sit up and listen intently. I told this to God a long time ago. You are allowed to send any trial that you want to my way. But I don't want you to have to send that trial my way because you don't have my attention. You know what God sends hard times in the life of a Christian? Because He doesn't have their attention. And he's in heaven, he's saying, hey, I'm up here, walk with me, I'm up here, be dedicated to me, I love you, I died for you, I saved you, and I want to walk with you, I want to talk with you, I want to spend time with you. And we're busy going to A to B to C to D, and we get in bed, and we get up, and we do it all over again, and we go, and we go, and we go, and we go, weeks without going to church, or months without reading our Bible. And God's saying, hey, hey, he said, okay, if you're not going to listen to me, here's a health problem, here's a loss of a job. Here's financial failure. And then we're on our backs and we're saying, okay, Lord, you have my attention. We allow our heart to get hard. Our heart to get hard, rather. And God is saying, I'm going to break up that soil so that my my word begins to go down in your heart and sprout and make a difference again. A crushed seed. Number three, and lastly, notice, consumed by Satan. Consumed by Satan. Look back at Luke chapter 8, verse 5 with me. The Bible says, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. The fowls of the air devoured Now, who are the fowls? Again, the seed is the word of God. The sower is the preacher. The soil is the condition of the heart. And we're given yet another uh, parallel here, and that is the fowls of the air. And who uh, who is the fowl of the air? Well, it's Satan. Look down at verse 12 those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, or off the surface of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The last of the three things that take place as described in the above verses is the stealing away of this trodden down seed. So again, imagine this with me. The sower reaches down into his satchel and he throws out the seed and it lands on all four types of soil. The first soil mentioned here in Scripture is this path soil or this compacted soil. The seed lands on the surface. And then people come walking down the path and they crush the seed to make it useless. And then, as if there's any hope of it getting down in there... Satan comes along as a fowl and he sifts it off the surface and he takes it away. Let me give you quickly an A and a B. Notice, letter A, destination. Destination. Do you know why Satan's quick to scoop in and take away the gospel off the hearts of those who have not yet been saved but have heard? Because he wants them to go to hell. That's just plain and simple. Why did Satan slither up to Eve in the garden and get her to eat the fruit? Because he wanted to take Adam and Eve and all of their descendants to hell. And you know what? He's winning that battle for most folks. The Bible says broad is the gate. That leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go in there out. But narrow it straight is the way. Narrow is the path that leadeth to life eternal. And few there be that find it. More people than not that are born are going to go to hell. Because Satan is really quick to come in. And scoop that seed up off the surface. So Satan scoops in. And he takes it away. And here's what I want to say to those of you here today. That have not yet received the word of God into your heart. Listen. Do not delay. Do not delay. If the Lord is prodding you in your heart today and saying, Receive me. Receive me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Jesus is there. He's knocking on your heart's door. He's saying, I died on the cross for you. I love you. Open the door. I'll come in and save you. And, and open that door. Do it. Don't, don't leave the church today until you've done that. Yeah, you can go home and do it at home. Yeah, you can do it next week, next month, next year. But you're not guaranteed any of that. Satan wants you to leave here without trusting him so that he can make sure that the sin in your life will crush that seed and that he can swoop in and he can take that away from you and that conviction disappears. Behold, now. Now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Don't delay. Put your faith in him. But you say, Pastor, I have made that decision. Let me give you letter B. And that's reputation. Reputation. Turn to First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. We'll finish the sermon here. 1 Peter 5 and verse number 8. Pastor, I am saved. I'm on my way to heaven. The seed has gone down into the soil. I've received Christ. And so, how does this apply to me? Do you know that Satan's after you, too? He's coming after you. He's lost your soul. You're going to go to heaven. That's a done deal. But that doesn't mean he's done with you. If he, can't, if he can't secure your destination, then he's going to work hard to ruin your reputation. Look at verse Peter 5.8. Be sober. That means, that means think with a clear head. Be vigilant. That means be watching. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I got my oil changed um, a few weeks back. And um, I had a gentleman uh, valet me from uh, the the dealership where it was changed here to the church so I could get some work done. And got talking to the man. He's bringing me here, so I'm going to invite him to our church. And he didn't seem real interested. On the way back to the dealership, I got talking to him again. And he told me, he said... I am fed up with phony Christians. And he went into all of the problems with the Catholic Church. And he claims to be Catholic, but he was just complaining about how phony and pharisaical and hypocritical and all these things that that religious leaders seem to be. And I, I told him, I said, listen, you cannot allow the actions of others to keep you away from your relationship with God. That, that just, it can't be. I said, there are phonies at church, there are phonies at your work, you still go to work. I said, there are phonies at church, and there are phonies at restaurants, but you still go to restaurants. There are phonies at church, and there are phonies at Walmart. You keep going to Walmart. I said, that is a poor excuse. And he said, I know, I know. But can I tell you something? I meet a lot of people who say they want nothing to do with God in church. And the reason is, is because Christians have such a poor reputation. And whether or not that's a bad excuse, or a good excuse, It ought not be an available excuse. You say, well, pastor, what do we do about it? Listen, you can't change how anyone else behaves, but you can change how you behave. And it starts with you and it starts with me. It starts with us leaving a good reputation for our Lord and Savior here in the Stratford area. And we can go and we can show the world that I'm not only a Christian in name, I'm a Christian in action in the way I practice. Not just in the limelight where others see me, but in private where no one sees me. Because if Satan can get you in private, then he will destroy you in public. Your reputation. My friend, those seeds have been coming into the soil of your heart and not been making any difference. You've been coming to church week after week, year after year. You've been reading your Bible over and over and over again. And you're just stuck in the same spot as a Christian. It's time for you to say, Lord, I'm going to break up the fallow ground. And I'm going to allow the seed to go down into my heart. And I'm going to allow it to sprout and produce for the Lord. For those of you here today that are not saved, I sure hope you won't delay. So what's that mean to be saved? The word saved really means one thing. It means to be rescued. Do you know that you are on a collision course with hell? You say, oh, I'm a good person. God wouldn't throw me in hell. You're not good compared to God. His standard is perfect. The Bible says if you offend in one point, you've broken the whole law. Oftentimes I'll meet someone and I'll say, I've got to be good to go to heaven. I'll say, what does that mean? Well, I've got to keep the Ten Commandments. And I'll say, well, can you tell me the Ten Commandments? And most folks can't. And I'll say, how can you keep the Ten Commandments if you don't even know what they are? Checking on your neighbor or uh, uh, giving a homeless man five bucks out the window, that's not going to get you into heaven. While those things are good, they don't erase the sin in your life. And when you stand before God one day as a judge, He isn't going to say, show me the good of your life. He's going to want to know about the wrong you've done in your life. And you're going to be judged off of that. You see... God is going to take sinners, which is all of us, and throw us all in hell. Unless we have those sins forgiven or pardoned. You see, that's why Jesus came and he died. Because God looked down and he saw we were hopeless. We needed help. Jesus was born on earth. God wrapped in flesh. He lived a perfect life. And because he was a perfect man, he could be a perfect sacrifice. He hung on a cross And then God loved you so much that He looked ahead in time and He saw the entirety of your life. He gathered together every time you would violate His law. Every sin, every wrongdoing, He gathered them all together and He went back to the cross where His Son was and He made Jesus become all of your wrongdoings and the collective sin of every human being in three short hours Killed Jesus on the cross. And then after three days, He stood up from the dead showing that your sin can kill me, but it can't keep me down. And in His resurrection, He offers to you the gift of eternal life. He doesn't care about your good works. He doesn't want your good works. He just simply wants you to extend your hand of faith and receive. The question now is presented to you. The ball is in your court. Will you receive the gift by faith Free of charge. Or will you push it away and say, no, I'll find my own way to heaven. The Bible says, I am the way, Jesus said. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You want into heaven? There's one entrance. It's through the Son of Jesus Christ and your faith in Him. Not through the door of good works. There is no door of good works. That man who died next to Jesus on the cross was a thief. He had no good works to offer. But he had his faith. He offered that and Jesus saved him. The seed has been thrown out into the soil of your heart. Were you going to let it enter in and be saved? Or are you going to harden that heart and allow it to sit on the surface so sin can come along and crush it and Satan can swoop in later and consume it? Why don't you today open up the soil of your heart and let Jesus save you? Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Every head bowed. Every eye closed.